1: Welcome to the podcast Appetite for Distortion, episode 253. My name is Brando. Thanks for hanging out again on this Guns N' Roses themed Bar Mitzvah party of a broadcast. Fun episode for you today. Coming up later, we're going to open up Mr. Mailstone, where we read some of your comments. We talk about the podcast and what's going on with it. Uh, also, on the way, we have because we have two guests this episode. If you read the summary, Always read the summary, the bio of the episode. I take time on that if you want. Or just be surprised and press play. It doesn't matter. Thanks for listening. So also coming up, an interview with director of a brand new rock documentary, Long Live Rock, Celebrate the Chaos, featuring interviews with members of Metallica, Slipknot, Korn, and of course, Guns N' Roses. So we will be speaking with Jonathan McHugh, director, coming up. Uh, But first... I mean, this is a legendary, legendary person in the business, concert promoter uh, who has produced over 10,000 concerts in his career, spanning over five decades. Anyone from The Doors to Jeff Beck, Chuck Berry, Barbara Streisand, and, of course, Guns N' Roses. So, uh, Danny Zalesko has a brand-new book out, All Excess Occupation, Concert Promoter. I highly recommend it. Hi, Danny. How are you?
2: I'm great. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Uh congratulations on your book. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's the kind of the, the perfect book now while we're all missing concerts, we kind of get to relive uh some of the most famous ones uh through you. So it was how long did this take to make? Was this always the I mean, I guess it was always the plan, but was it always the plan to release during the, when there is no concert, when there are no concerts?
2: Well, uh, you know, I, I couldn't have had any I, any idea about that. I've been working on this. Right. I've been working on the book for well over 10 years. Um, I found the other day an email that I would sent to somebody with bullet points when I was talking to them about doing a book, and the bullet points had almost, well, I don't know, about half of the chapters that are in the book, what I ended up with in the book. So it had been there for the longest time. I, I'd i identified a bunch of stories that I knew I wanted to tell, and I could, you know, I could trigger them just by saying a few words. So I kept those around. But four years ago, I was watching Shark Tank one night, and this guy came on. He said he was the ghostwriter. And I called the ghostwriter the next day, and I made a deal with him, and he helped me tell the stories and get them out into a tape recorder and then get them down and, and typed out and, and transcribed. And then we edited it for for quite a while, and it sat there and it moved around a little bit. It took me four years from the time we started it. And then, um, you know, last March, I mean, I was definitely into it. I was going to have it done last year, I'd hoped. But when when the bottom fell out of the concert business and we couldn't put shows on anymore that drew people together, it certainly um, left me with some open time on my hands, and it was a as good a time as any to finish it up. And, and I felt the same way you did. It was nice to have this history and this great rich color of all this music in my background to, right. to pull me through the last year um, and, and think about all the good times we've had and look ahead to you know more in the future.
1: Well, it is the perfect book for, for now. And it's a perfect time to speak with you, especially on this podcast, if you haven't noticed the name Appetite for Distortion.
2: Yes, I did notice that. And uh, I said, oh, that must be an easy listening show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, right. Well, uh, a friend of the show is former manager Doug Goldstein, who has said he's known you since he was 19 years old. So before we get into the GNR specifics in your book, I just want to tell you what he uh, said when I mentioned that you were coming on. Uh, Danny's a great man. He was our promoter for all of our shows in Phoenix and Vegas. He did the show in 1987 that uh, Axel didn't show up to. It was the Celebrity Theater. Uh, he also mentions this, and maybe you can clear this up. Slash says it was Danny that took care of the incident in Phoenix where he was almost arrested. It wasn't. It was me that Doug claims. So, Danny, what is the true story behind that?
2: Oh, 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 I see. I, I know what he's talking about. There was, there was a time where the management, Doug and, and John Reese and Earl Gabadon, were the band's security guys, the three best guys you could have to look after a band such as this. And they, uh, the manager at the time, prior to Doug, was a guy called Alan Niven. Mm-hmm. And Alan called and said, I need to get Slash and Steven out of town. Um They have terrible friends that are bad influences. I got to get them out of here. I said, okay. And they sent them over here to Phoenix. And there's a golf place here called the Orange Tree Golf Resort, which was right down the street from my house. This is 1988. And um, they came in, and everything was fine. The next morning, I got a phone call from my friend at the golf course, whose brother happens to be the keyboard player from Journey. That's another story. And, and Hal calls me up. He goes, Dan, can you come right over here? There's been an incident. Well, it turned out that a maid had entered their room while Slash was in the shower, and Slash thought that somebody had come in to hurt him. So he ran through the shower door, ran over the maid, and ran outside from the shower, and they collected him um, on the driving range. He was kind of upset. And... Uh, <laughs> They took him back inside, and I came over, and, and they said uh, if, if they check out, um, you know, we won't press any charges. I said, what are you going to press charges about? The guy ran out of a shower. He thought he was going to get assaulted. The fact that he was right. nude didn't help. Um, <laughs> right, he was naked. That little detail. Oh, no, it, it was a very unfortunate thing. Slash felt so bad about it. I mean, he's the nicest guy in the world. I, I, I hate that that happened. But, uh, you know, those were, those were some volatile times. Um, at the end of the 80s, early 90s, um, you know, Guns N' Roses were the ones that were carrying the hard rock torch, you know, as strong or harder than anybody at that time. And, um, you know, there, it stands to reason why they're so
1: huge today. In addition to a chapter you do specifically on Guns N' Roses, you do another one about Axl Rose himself called uh, Is There a Doctor in the House? So without perhaps giving the entire story away, what is that about
2: so uh, are you talking about the doctor in the house? Yeah, well, yeah. you know when you're going to have your face magnified on a on a video screen like a hundred times bigger than you really are in front of twenty thousand people, you want to make sure you look great and and apparently Axel had this blemish on his forehead that he felt really was obnoxious. And you know how that is. You look in the mirror and you got a cyclops staring at you, you don't want to be looking at it. Oh.
1: I hate it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I hate that when relatable. that happens. And um so he wanted to get a, a plastic surgeon to remove this whatever it was. I never saw it. Huh. But um I ended up getting him a plastic surgeon and um he removed uh he removed this bump on his head and everything was good to go and we had a show. But the funniest part about that story was um, the doctor was uh, a boob doctor. He, he did augmentations. <laughs> and, and I asked him if, if he would accept an extra $1,000 or so a boob on his head for fun. And to which he said, it sounds like a great idea, but I can't do that. I'm sorry. He thought I was serious, and I kind of was. I thought it was a <laughs> I mean, great prank. I mean, I, Axel's got a great sense of humor for stuff like that.
1: How big is that zit for a boob doctor that's needed to take care of it? I mean, boy, I don't
2: know. I didn't I didn't see
1: it. But, you know, I mean, these are the kind of things
2: that come up uh, on a on a not a daily basis, but often um, think about it. You know, when when a big show comes to town, there's 100, 200 people on the road. There are bound to be people either with, you know, with problems or sickness or. Good stuff, you know. I need a birthday party. I need a dancer. I mean, there's all these different things that, that go into every day of a show because you just don't know what is on their own calendars every day, and and that's what really makes it fun. You got to be ready though. You got to be. You got to have your mitt on. And be ready to play some ball.
1: Well, congratulations again, Danny, on your book. Before you go, obviously, this is a very unique time in the business. Do you have any advice for younger bands coming up, or specifically younger concert promoters coming up? You know, uh, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Can we get through this?
2: The hard thing, the hard thing is for the, for the music business and, and, you know, and the sports spectator business too, baseball, football, et cetera. Um, you know, we, we need audiences to support these, these games and these concerts and these events, and, you know, until these numbers get driven down even further and, and people stop dying from this, um, you know, we're going to be affected by it. That said, um, it, it appears to me that the uh, vaccinations are going in a very positive direction. I've had mine. I got both of mine just Friday. I got my last one and, and I'm okay from it. And um, I, I'm looking forward to everybody, um, you know, driving those numbers down by getting vaccinated and not getting sick anymore so that we can open everything up and and start up again. I think, you know, during that, you're going to see things relax. I hope there's no second spike, as I've heard them talking about. I want to stay in a positive frame of mind that uh, sometime this summer we'll, we'll be rolling shows back in little by little until we're at full capacity. Everybody's sitting next to each other like the good old days. I think that'll happen this year, though.
1: Thank you so much, Danny, for your time. You bet. Anytime. Danny sent me the book. If you have a chance, it it really is cool, not just to to read, but all the the amazing photographs that are in there. I mean, the dude has met everybody. And I I posted this on Twitter and Instagram that (laughs) it's the little things that sometimes bring a a smile to your face. Yeah, the the book is great, but uh, his rep mailed it in a White Castle crave case box. (laughs) <laughs> there's no punchline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it came in another box, but when I opened it up, it was, it was just like wrapped in a grave case box, which, uh, right now lives behind me on my couch. Cause it, it's like shaped like a boom box. Kids still say boom boxes, right? <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, Cause if you watch I mean, this particular episode, not on zoom, but if you do go on zoom, um, or YouTube, I should say to watch all the zoom interviews, I mean, slowly, but surely building, my my backdrop as I do, you know, more uh, visual episodes. But this is all about theater of the mind today. Uh, well, this will be something that we're going to talk about. Something that you can watch uh, right now. So this is uh, director Jonathan McHugh, and this is I kind of jump into the conversation because if you're a fan of the podcast, you are aware that sometimes we have long interviews. And sometimes we have short interviews and those short interviews usually are related when I'm on these morning radio uh, promotional tours and you just got to jump in and then jump out. And an interesting change uh, actually since the pandemic, many people are, instead of using their phones to, to talk to, you know, celebrities around the country, but they're using Zoom instead, even without the video. So better quality. So... Uh, we're going to jump in now. And just an FYI, my my Zoom picture. Uh, well, we, we talk about that before we get into anything else.
0: And is that your picture there with the PDH shirt on? It is. It is. <laughs> I used to work that radio station, dude. Really? When did you work at WPDH? No, no, no. I used to work the station. I was a local promotion guy for AM Records in the early 90s. Oh,
1: it's a good segue. I think as you see my picture where I'm actually, it's, it's funny, my program director at Q104 makes fun of me. He's like, you're outside our studio, Q104, wearing a WPDH shirt with Bob Saget. None of this makes any sense. Saget,
0: interesting story. So Saget and I go to the okay. synagogue. And, you know, here's the guy with the worst potty mouth in history. You know, you sure school, like, you know, getting all getting all Jewish
1: and whatnot with me. Uh, he's just a fun, he's an amazing guy. I love Saget. Oh, yeah. And I, I got all Jewish with him, too. It's uh, where I'm part of the tribe. But nice. the segue is, I guess, because I'm, I'm kind of dating myself, aging myself a bit. Uh, when I worked at WPDH, you know, growing up with Full House, I kind of missed the 80s a little bit. I was born in 83, but I still find myself every day wanting to relive it, wishing I was kind of a teenager during that time. Because if you haven't noticed, you're on Appetite for Distortion, a Guns N' Roses theme podcast. I've heard of that, so,
0: I've heard of them. Yeah, Yeah,
1: you've heard of that band. So I would love to know what you cover uh, specifically with GNR, because you do a lot of also interviews who you interviewed in GNR as part of this uh, Long Live Rock uh, Celebrate the Chaos uh, documentary.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, GNR is, uh, you know, growing up in the East Coast, GNR was a a more West Coast phenomenon where they came off the Sunset Street and just blew up. But um, what they did at a time... When, you know, the 90s was kind of a, I don't want to say stale period for music in the sense that, you know, there were a lot of the hair bands and stuff like that. But GNR just, much like Metallica jetted out of that genre and became the kings of it. Uh, g did the same thing. And uh, that record Appetite was just so ridiculously good that you couldn't, even if you didn't like that music. You know, you couldn't put it down. It was just too good. And so for me, we had to have um, that represented in the movie. And Duff McKagan was nice enough to invite us to his home. Um and talk about his passion for rock and and refute the idea you know gene simmons may say rock is dead but i just go come on man what are you talking about (laughs) we're playing for seventy thousand people whenever we go out so i don't think rock is dead i don't know what pop artists are playing for those kind of numbers like we are but um right so duff covered some really interesting stuff in the film and basically there was you know, in this movie, it was really made as a love letter to the fans—a movie for the fans, by the fans. Because, like I said, you know, you missed the '80s, unfortunately, but you know, you should have been in the late '70s, bro. When I was 12, and my yeah. those were Kiss with Blue Eyes to Cult. Next one was Led Zeppelin at the Garden, and then the third one was Black Sabbath at the Garden, followed by. Aerosmith and Ted Nugent at the uh, Providence Civic Center. Those are my first four shows, right? Mm. All late 70s. So when you get indoctrinated in that, you never look back, right? As far as being a rock kid. Uh, And that was the only form of music ever, right? For me, it was rock. And then as you get older, you morph into a number of different genres that you like. Um, But then taking me back in the 90s when Metallica showed up and I'm at Elektra Records where I meet my producing partner, Gary Spivak, and we're tasked with taking Metallica from rock radio number one rock radio record to top 40. now everybody knows inner sam as one of the greatest records of the last 30 years whatever right but try getting it on top 40 radio in 1991 like they didn't want to hear from you at all and that was a true challenge to cross something over and because metallica was competing against the stigma the stigma of we can't play metallica why well because they're metallica what does that mean like break that down for me well my station manager won't let me play metallica D- has he heard the record um yes but he, it's metallica so i was like we would come up with stuff like we would send uh vinyl white label with no name on it hmm. <laughs> the saying the song enter sandman no name so i would like hey i just sent you a white label it's a new artist it's it's a song called enter sandman um and they'd be like, wait, this is Metallica. I was like, I don't know how to <laughs> say it on the white label. Why don't you just play it and see what your fans think? See what your audience thinks. Put it on it. A- don't judge it. Don't judge it before you, you know, exactly. at first. And then, so the movie is really about you can't judge a book by its cover because you just never know who these fans are. And, you know, whether it's the dentist who just saves up all his money and rents a plane and goes to goes to shows or, you know, the, the architect who runs this um, – Uh, This ragtag group of fans that meet up at all these festivals named G um, or the correction officer in the movie who meets uh, who meets a, a, a guy who's in jail who just loves to rock. And then they become friends at a festival years after, you know, like you can't write these stories, you know, they just are what they are.
1: Um, And you want them to stay around because uh, I I tweeted the other day as uh, Pepe Le Pew gets canceled. It was a picture of Slash wearing a Pepe Le Pew t-shirt. And who would have thought that would have been maybe the most controversial thing that he's ever done? I say that facetiously, of course. But I want this this decade highlighted because it can never happen again. You know, it it can just never happen again. Uh, Before we go, is there. Uh, I guess one specific thing you're excited for people to see, like a one specific interview that you can't well, wait. Well,
0: I want to for. talk about Duff because this is a GNR center. Sure. So, in Duff opening up about his um, addiction and how you know how his you know how his um, pancreas burst and mm-hmm. how he literally. Had- had one, one button for morphine and one button for uh, plasma or whatever it was that was saving his life. And then we juxtaposed that with the guy which was just telling you about who was in jail, who basically OD'd. I'm sorry, he got stabbed um, selling drugs. And because he was a, on Xanax, he went into like this calm, suspended animation phase and they were able to get him on a helicopter and life him and save his life um so that we even have him to tell a story and you juxtapose him and Duff talking about their struggle the back and forth of it is really kind of haunting for me to still watch to this day and I've seen it many times so I'm oh wow to- okay Duff if he's listening for sharing his story with us um because it really was a powerhouse way
1: to uh, you know for this film to to have him in the film and thank you for covering that because in addition to GNR I often talk about mental health and recovery and addiction so Uh, that's, that's great. So uh, this is obviously a must see for not just, I mean, yeah, Guns N' Roses fans for, but all fans of the, of the decade and and rock. So uh, thank you so much for your time, Jonathan. Yeah. And I hope we get to do uh, this again.
0: uh, Have a great day and keep on rocking, bro.
1: You got it. WPDH for life. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That was fun. And yeah, WPDH, it just seems like so long ago. I'm not sure, you know, how many are, of you are familiar with that legendary station heritage station in Poughkeepsie, New York, but that's where, you know, my radio career, I was just happy to work at a place that plays Guns N' Roses, and I got paid to talk about Guns N' Roses, you know? That's, that's where my career was, working at, and it still is, you know, Classic Rock Station and just enjoying talking about GNR. And during that time, just to think about all those years ago, you know, there's no way Axel and Slash were ever going to get back together again and then flash forward and look where I am now career-wise and, and look where GNR is uh, career-wise. So it's always fun to connect with people about, you know, the radio, as they say. But right now, I actually want to connect with you, the listener, in a segment we like to call Mr. Maelstone.
2: Here's the mail, it never oh, fails, it makes me I wag my
1: tail. When it comes, I whel- yes, Mr. Mailstone, where you, the Appetite for Distortion listener, the bad apple, you get to submit a message, whether it's on email, the AFD show at gmail.com, or you can send me a direct message at uh, on Twitter, at the AFD show, or on Twitter. Ah, uh, Facebook, of course. Appetite for distortion with Brando. Same thing on Instagram. Wherever you leave a message for me, I'm gonna get it. You know, even if it's a comment on a certain thread, a certain, uh, a certain post, whatever it is. You know, you make it so fun to connect with you. So I, you know, let's let's bring some of those uh, great comments and and fun interactions that we have on the on the podcast in Mister Mailston. So anyway. Let's kick it off with a recommendation, which you can do on Facebook. So if you haven't yet and you would like, and if you like what you hear, (laughs) uh, you can uh, go to, and you could rate five stars. You could write a recommendation on, on Facebook. So this is from Freddie Push, I believe. Brando is an amazingly funny interviewer and a great guy. Asks great questions, keeps the listener and interviewee interested Funny as well. I mean, you said funny twice, but I'm not going to correct you. I guess I just did. Uh, makes for a great listen and an hour at least well spent. Any, and I mean any, GNR-related person he has interviewed or will interview shortly. Amazing guy, 10 out of 10. And oh, the theme song rocks. Uh, that's one of the nicest things anyone has ever written about the podcast. Thank you, Freddie so much for that. Now, of course, before I forget the theme song, of course, courtesy of Mr. Mike Squires from Duff McKagan's Loaded, who is working his butt off on his Couch Riffs podcast. You can check out his uh, YouTube page where, you know, he, I mean, he's musically talented. He puts together these uh, these great musicians for these awesome covers. You know how people do now in Zoom, different parts of the world, and you put them together, and it sounds perfect. That's what uh, Mike Squires has been doing but anyway, Freddie, thanks. I try to be funny. Uh, there are, aren't many f- things that I'm confident in in life. Uh, funny, I know. I, I, <laughs> they're not all winners, but I know overall I'm gonna end up making you laugh. You know, before it's all said and done. So, uh, thank you, thank you, Freddie. Uh, this is a comment from a a, a diehard listener. He's um, written many uh, a question to listeners, uh, to guests over the years, and helped me out. Uh, You know, with just great content, uh, what to bring to the show. So this is from Andrew, Mr. Mac from Ireland. Uh, He goes, hey, man, I'm listening to the John Densmore episode right now, which, FYI, you can also watch on YouTube. Uh, I got to say, the fan obsession chat is really cool. Really interesting to hear how a young fella got into GNR as opposed to us, who were there when it kicked off. Good work, buddy. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So, yeah, of course... Fan obsession. obsession. That's been one of the best parts of doing this podcast. Has been talking to you, the AFD show listener. And I think early on, we did it. The first episode might have been, or the first time we had a a fan on to be interviewed about his story might have been Sir Kevin. Sir Kevin, also from Ireland, and just about his story about growing up and how GNR helped him escape from you know a tough home life and. I still get people citing the, the big story. And I use this in conversations when I tell people I interview fans. And yes, we can just geek out about your collection, all that great stuff. But Tomislav from Croatia, who fought in the Yugoslavian war, you know, um, taking a, a Jeep or a, his vehicle across a, a minefield while listening to Appetite for Destruction in his cassette, cassette tape, you know, because he could die any second. So might as well die listening to Appetite. So yeah, that certainly set the bar early on, but uh but yeah, uh what Andrew was talking about when we had Johan Peterson on the show from, from Sweden. Uh he's 21, I believe, and and yeah. That's something that both Scotto and I when we started this podcast, that's something that we always wanted to talk about. I'm only a couple years older than Scotto and I'm you know, young I guess in the GNR world. You know, when I became a fan, they were already broken up. And, you know, Chinese wasn't out. They weren't touring. It was just a stale, dead band. And I never experienced anything, you know. When I became a fan, I didn't certainly didn't grow up with, with GNR. And then you talk to Johan, who is much younger, who finds them through Chinese democracy and works his way backwards. So that is something that we're going to continue to do, absolutely, because I've had many... Uh, instant messages, uh, instant messages, like this is AOL, uh, direct messages, private messages, uh, wanting to be on uh, Fan Obsession. So, you know, let me just uh, shout out some people because it just hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. You know, I I like to do these, like we're doing Mr. Mailstone now, uh, elongated, uh, when we have these shorter interviews to make a nice complete episode. So this, uh, you know, because I also get band requests. Which is fun. So, shout out to Leo. I don't want to butcher your last name before we actually speak, but uh, Crimson Wing, I'll give your band a, a shout out. So, we'll do that for Appetite for Discovery.
2: I just want very appetite. That's the goal. Very appetite. For Discovery.
1: <laughs> I am so glad that the majority of you love these sound bites. Oh, I added this one, by the way. Axel <laughs> <Excellent>. is <laughs> cool. <laughs> I can't wait for Beavis and Butthead to come back. <laughs> Axel is cool. Yeah, that, they usually shit on Axel, but I wanted to to save that one. Oh, Mike Judge, that would be a dream interview. Anyway, but I I digress. So thank you, Andrew, for you know your compliment and, and enjoying the the fan obsession interview because that's part of it. I always tell people that. Yeah, I get really cool stories from rock stars from celebrities. That's not, you know, let's that, 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 not cut you off. You have a great story. So if you have a great Guns N' Roses story, you just want to talk about the band, talk about a great concert experience you have or had, uh, just message me and we'll, we'll make it work sometime down the line. Does that sound good? Yeah! And also, as uh, Mr. Mailstone continues, I got to give a shout out to, uh, to pe- two people I'm very flattered by, by the messages and requests that I got to be on their podcast. So State of America podcast, all about the Black Crows. When they reached out to me, a fan of this podcast, you know, I was flattered and I was honest. I'm like, I, I like the Black Crows. I just don't know that much about them. I don't have a, a GNR level uh, of knowledge about the Black Crows. I could certainly hold my own, but I need to admit, I, maybe it was like a year or so ago, I finally found out that it was an Otis Redding cover hard to handle. I had no idea. I admit that. I, I had no idea. There was a, a black crow song, uh, until maybe like a couple years ago. So, and I admit this, I'm like, God, I don't want uh, your fans to think I'm a fraud or a poser. I'll, I'll be honest about it, but they didn't care. So thank you to them. I don't think the episode is out yet. The state of America, uh, black crows conversation, but talking about the, the crows, the podcast, GNR, of course, uh, this episode is out. Uh, so thank you. Uh, th- this podcast, uh, Garrett Smith, Garrett Smith music. If you want to check that out, he has been a great listener of this podcast and has asked some great questions for me to ask an interview, uh, at, at times, perhaps that name does ring a bell. Um, Garrett Smith. So thank you. That episode is out. He wanted to talk to me about me about my career, my radio career. And yeah, I'm not famous, but my career has been very weird, very interesting. Uh, way too many uh, bathroom stories. <laughs> that, I'll leave that as a teaser. So if you want to hear me uh, talk about my career, check out Gareth Smith's uh, music podcast, and then I'll, I'll post a link also to uh, when the State of America, uh episode comes out. But in the meantime, thank you to all of you for hanging out on this one, Alpha Type of Distortion. Again, please follow on social media and follow on YouTube. Follow and subscribe on YouTube. I want to get those... Uh, those followers up because that's another, I am kicking myself that I wasn't active on YouTube until maybe five months ago. And of course my listenership is, is going up there uh, slowly, but surely. And people are finding us for the first time, but I finally learned how to do some light, you know, video editing, <laughs> which just means, you know, like this, you could watch this episode, you know, air quote, watch this episode on YouTube and I'll throw up some pictures over the audio. Uh, but I don't know. I'm a radio guy. You know that. Anyway, so who is the next guest? Well, uh, again, stay tuned for the Miles Kennedy interview. I don't know when is, that is going to air. It is saved. It is secure. We just want to air it closer to his, uh, his album release date. Despite it being called The Ides of March, it's being released, I think, in May. I'm hoping it's not going to be a May release for the interview because I'm eager. Because he said something on there about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that I don't think has been said before, you know, about that, you know, experience with him playing with Slash and, and you know, with Guns N' Roses, essentially. I mean, how's that for a teaser? So, sorry, I, you know, I, I can't say anything else. I can't say anything else. I want you, I want the world to experience an interview at the same time. So that is on the way. Uh, also, I mean, we're going to be doing, there's a lot of people putting out more uh, hard rock documentaries and books. So I'm going to be interviewing more authors, uh, so that's going to be fun. And again, I, I say it every episode, follow on social media. That is how you get up-to-date news about Guns N' Roses. If there are any breaking news, if there is any breaking news, uh, that's how you find out about guests. That's how you, you submit questions. That's how you take part in episodes. So follow on social media. I can't stress that enough if you are just a podcast listener, which, you know what, do what you want. Who might tell you what you want to do? Because thanks for hanging out again. <laughs> so that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Uh, who will the next guest be? When you get to hear the episode. In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. You'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. No! No! Thanks to the
2: lame ass security, I'm going home.